We're in the third week of this series called Make War, and the idea behind it is this. The scripture says that Christians, we are the head and not the tail. And the scripture says that uh, Christ will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so the idea as a Christians or a Christ follower is we get to be on the offense. We're the ones who get to, to make war and be on the charge. I think too often Christians sort of live in retreat mode. Like, oh, I don't know, you know, the devil's after me again. Look out, you know, bad stuff's coming. And, and we're always like sort of worrying. And, uh, but, but the scripture here is very clear. Uh, we're the head and not the tail. If God is for you, who can be against you? We should live in a place that the enemy is always on the run because you woke up, amen? And so that's kind of what we've been talking about. And we'll have our, our guest speaker come up here in just a minute, uh, Andy Straub. But there's one person I want to recognize. Uh, Brian and Rochelle, why don't you step up real quick, or just stand up, just stand up real quick. Yeah, they're going to hate this. Okay, so this is Brian, this is Rochelle, and they're so mad that I'm doing this. Uh, but okay, so that's them. You can sit down. I just want to honor them. Scripture says that you honor people. You give honor where honor is due. So they live in Brighton, Michigan, which is like two hours away. And that's... Sorry. That's where we used to live before we started this church. And uh, Jess and I went through like a, a really, a really hard season where... Uh, we just had our daughter, she was three months old, and we were serving in a church that we loved the people, loved the community, and some stuff was taking place in the politics of church, and we needed to resign from there because God was calling us to do this, and there were some things that were basically unbiblical within the leadership of that church, and obviously it was hard. I mean, I literally remember the day, I've never been so terrified, but I knew that I had to be obedient to God and resign from that church, and I'm sitting in my chair uh, like this reading chair, getting ready to dial the phone and call the founding pastors of the church and say, hey, um, we're going to resign, you know, and I pointed out all these reasons. But I remember being just in a sweat, just sweating, getting ready to dial the phone because I'm holding my three-month daughter, and I know that if we resign, it means we're going off health insurance. It means we have no income. Um, there's all these things that it means. So we did it. We, we, we resigned. We trusted God. We had no idea exactly what was going. We knew a church plant was probably coming, and we knew it would be back in this area because it had been in our heart for about seven years. And Brian and Rochelle, when they heard of the resignation and they knew our hearts, they were the first people. Like, the very next night, they called. They were like, we're going to dinner. Uh, met us at the bar. Somebody say amen. Um, <laughs> So we went to Mr. B's Rustic Tavern, and uh, we didn't get drunk. Should have. Felt like it. Um, we didn't get drunk, right? I don't remember. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing, everybody. Calm down. Um, so anyway, the scripture says give honor where honor is due. They did a lot of things that they wouldn't understand the significance or the slingshot that it was for us to come here. And uh, so thank you guys. You mean more than you know. Thank you. Okay. So I got my quota in for the day. That's my thing. Um, with that same line, uh, we came back here. We had no idea how all this would work. And uh, I called a friend of mine, Andy, who we'll talk about here in a minute, and said, Hey, man, uh, I know we haven't connected. We just, you know, you know how it is with some friends you don't bump into uh, very often, but you click like and you sort of interact on Facebook and stuff. And so 
I said, hey, dude, um, you're terrible at Facebook, so we should get together in real life. And so I said, hey, do you want to get together and have lunch? I want to talk to you about something. And I know he's thinking like Amway or something, you know, so, um, right? So, so, uh, so I said, hey, let's go eat some tacos. And we met on the border. And, um, and, I, and I just said, hey, um, when we think about, when we sit down and we think about uh, how we would want this church to operate when we get ready to plant it and the people that we'd want to be in it, not that we're like inclusive and don't allow people in or whatever, but people that have the heart of what we want to do here. I said, we think of you and your wife, Amy. And I said, here's what we're doing. And we don't want to manipulate our relationship. We're friends no matter what, but would you guys be interested? And, and they have invested in this church more than you'll ever know and uh, in phone calls and texts and resources and all kinds of stuff. And so uh, in our talking, um, he said, hey, I really feel like God gave me this word. And I said, awesome. Guess what? You get to preach it because I'm not going to. And so, and so we've just been dialoguing about what that looks like the past few months. And, uh, and it's his time. So he's got a great word that I really want you to cheer him on with. I know you're going to love it. And so will you please welcome Andy Straub. All right. Well, I'm scared, first of all. I've never done anything like this before. I'm great one-on-one. Um, in fact, uh, when Josh told me that I was going to preach, I'm like, no, man, you, you got this. You can just take it. I'm, I'm okay with it. This, I'm just telling you. So, um, so anyways, bear with my nerves just a little bit because, you know, once I get rolling, I think I'll be all right. Um, so um, a little bit more to that story is... Um, I was, I was in this part of my life. I have five kids, um, and uh, show of hands first, anybody who's got kids, how many times in that period that you've had children have you ever felt inadequate, unequipped, just like you're in over your head? I need to see hands. Okay, good. I'm not alone. Good, good, good. So now I can keep going because if nobody raised their hands, I'm, that's, it's over. I'm done. Um, so anyways, I was, uh, I was working out one morning. Um, trying to get my uh, my fitness on, and I'm on these cable these cable bent you know for your chest, and I'm and I'm working out, and I'm just like the the enemy's coming against me, and he's telling me, you know what, you you're a failure. I'm like you, <laughs> you're a failure. You don't have what it takes. You can't do this. You know, and he would he would be telling me like you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. You know, your kids are not gonna turn out. And I'm just like sitting there, I'm like God, you know, I just. I need, I need something here. And, um, and of course, as I'm working out, he uh, downloads this thing into me. And so I go from working out on my chest to on this cable machine. I pretend I'm doing my abs because I'm crying at the gym. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, you know. And then it, it happened to be that same day I had lunch with Josh. And I'm like, all right. All right, so Josh, he's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, man, God rocked my world this morning. And I kind of told him what, was, what happened and and he's like, hey, man, you got to you gotta preach that. And again, I'm like, nah, man, I can say this one-on-one to people, but, you know, you got it. And he didn't give me a choice. So thank you for making me step out of my comfort zone. So, like, in that, you know, it's like that's, that's the enemy. That's what he likes to do. He likes to make you feel less than. He likes to make you feel like you're inadequate. He makes you, likes to make you feel unequipped for anything that you do in life. So, you know, what's cool is if you, I, if you know that that's the enemy's schemes, because he's only got a couple. And, and you, can only take, you can only buy what he's selling. He can only offer it to you. He can't make you take it. So in this instance, I didn't take it, and God downloaded this thing into me and made me feel like, wow, yeah, I do have what it takes. So, um, 
So anyways, you know, um, all you have to do then is, is ask God for the wisdom to do what he's called you to do. And as parents, we're called to make these children into grown adults that contribute to society, that make their world better. And, um, and so it, in James, you know, it says that if you lack wisdom, ask and he'll give it to you generously without finding fault. So it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. He'll give you, you don't have, that doesn't have to, you don't have to use that against yourself. You can't let, don't let the enemy use that against you because you have what it takes and, he, and God will give you the wisdom that you lack. So anyways, basically uh, the verse that, and you'll, you'll think I'm weird for crying about this verse, but the verse that, that popped in my head is in Psalm. It's Psalm 127, three through five. And it says that children are a heritage from the Lord, offering a reward from them. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies and opponents in court. So that hit me. And uh, so I'm like, all right, an arrow, right? So they're like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And um, so I went and I researched like what it takes to make an arrow. You know, they, they seem simple, um, especially, specifically a wood arrow, because I started thinking about, you know, what did they use back then as a wood arrow. Um, and so there are so many similarities in how you make an arrow, at least to me, um, to how you raise a child. So this is going to be my prop. This will help me uh, not be too nervous. I'll wave it around and everything like that. I can look at this rather than you guys. So, um, so because I, I don't want to picture any of you naked. They say to do that, and I'm just, that's not, not what I want to do. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Uh, um, so anyways, how you make an arrow, like these the, the shaft part of the arrow is made of wood, so it's, it's natural. It's not inherently straight. You have to straighten it. So if a child is like an arrow, obviously there's things that we see in our children that aren't straight, that need correction, that, that we need to like, okay, hey, you identify it. So that's the first thing you do when you, you look down the arrow, make sure it's straight, you roll it on an on a even surface. And so it's our job to find those areas that need straightening. Um, you know, i.e. discipline and correction and stuff like that. Um, but um, there, and there's a few verses that I have uh, written down about discipline and correction because, you know, like everybody knows to spare the rod, spoil the child, and beat your... But that's not... To me, that's not what the, the Bible says more about disciplining out of control and out of direction and out of um, instruction and teaching. Um, it's not the, you know, the, the, to me, it's m not more the rod. It's more the instructing them on how to, this is why you don't do that. And so, and the, and the cool thing is, and this is a similarity is when you, when you straighten an arrow, um, they call it the heel of the hand method of straightening. So you, you put it up here and you identify it and then you push on, on the arrow. But if you push on the arrow too hard, A, it breaks, but B, just a little too hard in crystals form. And they call it crystallizing. And then the arrow's, the arrow's no good. You've, you've ruined the arrow. So you have to apply it just enough pressure to straighten it, but not enough pressure to harm it. Is that good? So, um, so yeah, in, in Proverbs 19.8, it says, Discipline your children while you have the chance. Indulging them destroys them. Um, did this get messed? This got mixed up? No. 
maybe did. Sorry. I think uh, I gave it to Doug. It's Doug's fault. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay, here we go. No, he didn't mess up. I did. All right, so um, in Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. And then Colossians 3.21 says, Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. And so sometimes, you know, like when we're disciplining, um, I've had it a couple times where I, I discipline, I'm like, oh, felt so bad after because I came down too hard on them. And I have to go back and I say, you know, um, because... You know, when you, when you do, if you discipline out of anger and you're like, that's it, get in your room, you come out when I tell you to come out. They're in there mad at you, ca calling you names in their pillow. <laughs> I did it. Everybody's done it, right? You're mad. And then maybe you say, go to bed, and that's it. So they're there stewing in their anger. And that's, that's, that's provoking your child to anger. So I think, you know, like the gently, like, listen, explaining to them, this is, this is what we talked about. This is the consequence. Um, and I want, I want to tell a story about uh, Nathan, my son. Of course, I got a million stories about that little dude. Um, if he was here, I'd have to call him Nate Dog because that's, that's not his name. So Nate Dog. Um, we have this pond in our backyard, and, um, and he loves to feed the fish. There's all these fish. And so we gave him bread one time when he was little, and he's tossing a piece of bread, and he loved that. So next time we know we turn around, and he is throwing grapes in there, he's throwing meat in there, and these bluegill, they'll eat anything. So finally, Amy, Amy calls me and says, your, your son, and it's not our, you know, because of course when he's acting like me, it's, it's my son, and, and so your son is throwing all of our groceries into the water and feeding the fish, and to the point where when you walk along the shoreline, these fish, they just follow you like looking up, you know, and I call it fish welfare, you know, they're just looking for the handout. So after she calls me, she's like, I've yelled at him. I don't know what he keeps doing. And I'm like, all right. So I get on the phone with him. I'm like, buddy, you know what? God put all the food that those, that th those fish need in the pond. You don't have to feed them, okay? So you need to ask mommy and daddy. And if, if, you, if you don't ask, there's, you know, there's going to be consequences. So you need, to, you need to ask, okay? He's like, okay, daddy. I'm like, all right, cool. We're good. So I go home and sure enough, a couple, two, three hours later, I, I hear again, he's doing it again. I go down there, I walk down the stairs, I open up the slider, and I just go, hey. And he looks at me, he's like, ah, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, I know you are. I know you are. So I, I walk out to him. He's like, Dad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, and he's trying to hide the bread like he wasn't <laughs> feeding the fish. And I'm like, no, I, I am too. So I grab him by the hand, and, I, and inside, I'm mad at him because he disobeyed me. I'm like, we, we went over this. Um, but I didn't want my emotions to get the best of me. I wanted to correct that behavior in him. Because it's great that he loves that. You know, it's great that he loves nature. It's great that he's adventurous and wants to do that. I don't want to crush that in him. I just want to let him know that there's things you can't do and things you can do. So we go in there, and I explain to him, buddy, we had a deal. You broke your deal. You're going to have to get some discipline. Discipline happened. I give him a hug. Say, I love you. You're a great son. I'm so proud. I am so happy that you're my son. And then I kiss him on the forehead, and I say, you know what, buddy? It's time to take a nap. You know what? He went to bed happy. He woke up happy. He didn't go to, go to bed mad at me. So that's when, when we talk about, and if, and if this didn't get downloaded into me, I might have been in, get in your room. You listen to me. But um, so through this whole 
period, God's been working on me on how to be, how to be a better parent. So that's just like one of like 10,000 stories. And if you've met Nate, you know, like he's, yeah, he's intense, like crazy intense. So, um, so anyway, so that's, that's the, that's the shaft. Um, but then we have the arrow, the, the, the feathers in the feathers. You can't just put any feather on here. They have to be taken from either the left side or the right side of, of the, uh, the bird. And because uh, they, they bend a little bit. And so when it's in flight, how they curve, it helps the, the arrow twist, twist in the air and stay truer when like wind and rain and everything like come on the arrow, it'll stay straighter and in, in, in hit the target. Um, so um, what I, when I think of the feathers, I think of, I think of friends, um, you know, and there's not a lot of feathers on here, right? So it's not like there's a thousand feathers on here. And, and I think friends are the, are the same way. Is, you know, the Bible says a, a man of many acquaintances comes to ruin. Um, so you find those friends and you help them identify, like, what is a good friend? What is, what is a good friend about? What do they do? Well, a good friend helps you through those tough times. You know, they're out in college. They start their first job or their second job or they move to another state. They got to have those friends that will keep them on target. Because they're not always going to call you as, as mom, dad. They're going to they're gonna lean on their friends. And if you have um, feathers on here and they all go different ways and it's the, the feathers just all to shreds and it's no good, that arrow's not going to hit its target. And so, you know, invest. You know what? You are the parent. You can invest in teaching your kids. You know what? This is just not a friend for you. I know, I know they're cool. I know you like them. That's just not the best friend for you. I mean, it starts from a, a very young age. Um, and so that, to me, was, was super important. And, and um, yeah, um, I, sorry. <laughs> um, so a couple of the verses that I have for that, um, because I, I wanted to make sure when I did this that it just wasn't me spitting out stuff that, that I thought. Like, I wanted to make sure I had it backed up biblically. Um, so in, in Proverbs twelve twenty six says, that the, the righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. You know, so you, you got to pick those friends. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, "He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm." And in Proverbs thirteen twenty says, "Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces." So, and then of course the First uh, Corinthians fifteen thirty three, "Do not be deceived. Bad co- company corrupts good morals." So, um. You know, friends are so, so important. Um, without, without the feathers, without the fr- I mean, this, this arrow does not, does not fly very far, does not fly very straight, it does not hit the target. Um, and so then, you know, we come to the head. And um, when I see the head, you know, the head, it's got that super sharp tip. And when I think of the head, I think of, of family and, you know, and how, how important family is. The head keeps this, keeps this in the target. It makes it stick in there, stay in there. Hard to pull it out of the target with a good head on there. If this head wasn't sharp, if this head was, was uh, rusty and nasty and it, it could fall apart when it, when it hits the target and that arrow's not going to stay in it. Um, so that, that head is so, so important. You know, in, in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, it says, Write these commandments that I have given you today on your hearts. 
Get them inside of you and get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them around your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. So we're supposed to wake up every day and talk to our children every day, all day about this. And I don't think it's like shoving scripture down our children's throats all day, every day. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. I think it's like being a representative of who Jesus is not just in the home, outside the home. So it's like living true in, in what you tell them at home, they see you doing outside. Yeah. You're not saying to them, this is how you should act, and then they see you acting a nut and acting crazy somewhere else. You know, like as guys, you know, some, some guys are like, well, you know, son, this is what guys do. This is what guys, no, what, what a guy, what a man does is he acts the same way in front of these people as he does in front of these people. And that, that is integrity, and that is, that, is, that is part of putting that on the doorpost everywhere you go. You put a thumbprint of God everywhere you go. So to me, that's, that's part of that family. That's, and, you know, like, and for me, it's like you know, supporting your, your kids through anything, whatever their passion is, whatever they're doing. I mean, I, uh, my, a lot of my family is here, and it, it's, it's so great that, you know, I just tell them I need them, they're there. Doesn't matter. This in, in a couple of them, I didn't text till like nine o'clock last night. <laughs> like, hey, I know I told you I was doing this, but uh, do you want to come? And they're here, you know. And that's what that's what family does. They cheer you on, you know. So if I crashed and burned up here, I'd have somebody to cry on later. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you know, that's and and so that's the that's the arrow. And and um, and obviously the arrow does not fly without a bow, right? And you can't just take this arrow and mat match it up to any bow. I, I'm put, just put it with any bow and shoot. It's just not going to fly true. It's not going to fly straight. It has to be matched to a bow for this arrow. And so when I, when I think of a, a bow, that's, that's their relationship with God. Um, so you need to, you know, we all, we, we can identify to God in many different ways. You know, like, like for me, it's, it's uh, father. You know, he's like, you know, because I'm a father, I can relate to God so much in that, you know, and so it's like we find those areas where that charges our kid up, like, oh, that's cool, or this story about God, or that story, and so you find that, and you match them up with that, so that, that, that relationship is there, that relationship is there, and so then you have that, you, uh, you, you, you matched the arrow up to the bow, you take that, and I, you know what, bulls are super expensive, so I didn't, and I'm not a hunter, so I didn't buy a bow, but you're just going to have to. So, you know, when you've put all that effort into here, and you know what, and, and, and there is times where you don't, you don't know how to straighten this really tough, this really tough thing out. You don't know, uh, is this feather the right feather? Um, the cool thing is, is our commander, our master in chief, he's made millions of these. And uh, so we can say, all right, um, master, God, I, there's this curve in this, there's this bend in this arrow that I have tried and I've tried and I've tried and I just want to break this arrow. I can't do it. It won't straighten. And he's going to be like, okay, I got it. This is, this is how he'll show you. This is how you do it. This is, I've done this. I'll, I'll, I got it. Just, I'll do it. And so you put all that effort into it. You match it with the bow. You draw it back and you let it go right? You can't chase that arrow down in midair, grab it, and stick it to the 
stick it to the target. You got to trust that it's going to do what it was made to do. You got to trust that this shaft is straight. You got to trust that these, these feathers were put on right, that they're right, and that's going to keep them on target when the rent wind and the rain and the problems come their way, that they're going to have that. You got to trust that that bow, that relationship with God, that, that that's right, that that's going to keep them, that's going to set them a sail. And then, then that head, they, you have to trust that, you know what, we, we, did, we, did, a good, we did a good job here. Um, we did everything that we were able to do. And, um, and then also, when you're firing, especially in war, when you're firing your arrow, you don't, you don't, know, you don't pick and choose where you fire it. You don't uh, just, okay, I'm going to shoot over there. You've got to listen to your commander. You, he's going to tell you, okay, left, enemy's coming from over there. You need to fire your arrow over there. That's going to do the most damage. That's where, that's what it's going to be. And so if our children are like arrows and we want, we want to do damage to the enemy's king, we want that so bad. And so that's our job is you listen to the Holy Spirit on, you know, direct them this way, direct them that way. And then when you fire it, they're going to do the most damage. They're going to, they're going to show God, uh, bring God glory when you're listening. You know, if we, if we're not listening, we're not in tune, we can miss the target here or there. So, you know, those things are, uh, are super, super important. Um, and so then it's all about being confident in, in what you did. And, and, and you know, and the, the, the Bible says, you know, train a child in the way he should go, and in the end he will not depart. And so we, we do all that, and sometimes we don't realize what we've done and, and how we've done it. And, um, you know, growing up, I got in more trouble. <laughs> I have two sisters and a brother. And I got in more trouble than the three of them combined, in a week, than the three of them got combined all growing up. And, um, and I'm sure my parents had so many, so many moments of, oh, what is this kid going to amount to? What is he going to do? And they were patient with me. I can't tell you how many conversations I had with my dad. And it was my mouth. I was never like drugs or whatever. It was my mouth got me in trouble all the time. All the time. Ever, almost daily. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. And so he would, in my temper, my temper got me in trouble too. I got to tell a story about my temper. Um, and and this will show the gentle, the gentle love that a father can give. So I played basketball. I'm a freshman, and I'm a hothead. Like, you just don't want to get me upset. And ref didn't know this. He didn't ever meet me. So he called a foul on me. It was the last foul. Of the, I was fouled out. And I thought it wasn't fair. So I took the ball, and I'm a pitcher too. And I threw, you know, mid-70s. And I took the ball, and I whipped it at this referee. <laughs> and, of course, I get kicked out, go to the locker room, you're done. And, um, and I'm feeling really bad about myself instantly, as soon as I let it go. First thing in my mind is, oh, my gosh, my dad is going to kill me. He's going to be so mad at me. And I don't even know if he remembers this, but I do. I expected him to yell at me. What were you thinking? You're stupid. Because I was feeling that way. So he's like, son, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, I, I don't know. You know, if you don't want to come to my games, and, you, and I'm flipping out. Like, I would flip out. Like, right, if you don't want to come to my games, don't come to my games. He's like, no, no, it's not about that. I, 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 n I never want to see you do that. I will be at every game. But please, don't embarrass me like that again, <laughs> you know. But it was like gentle. 
it wasn't a come down so hard on you that you you're degraded and you you don't and so for me it's like the, that's how I see I see God I, I see him in that in that of that that perfect disciplinarian the one who's going to say you know come, no don't go here go go here and so if we listen to that you know we're going to be we're going to be perfectly straight we're going to hit the target and the one thing that came, uh, and I'm, and I'm kind of closing, I think. I've never closed before, so we'll see. Maybe we'll be here till one. I don't know. We'll just keep going. So the, the cool thing that hit me on the way here is I, I gave, I had to buy 12 of these. The guy wouldn't sell me one. Um, he thought I was crazy that I only wanted one. Like, what guy wants one arrow? Well, somebody who doesn't shoot them. I just want it for a prop. So, uh, so this guy, I, I looked on eBay forever, and I'm trying to find, like, the best natural, the handmade, handcrafted arrow. And you could find a lot of them that had fake feathers and stuff. Well, this guy was like, okay, so these are real feathers. This is Port Oxford cedar from a 1,000 feet in the air, and it's, you know, supposed to be stay straight, I guess. Um, so I give these to a friend of mine, and this friend of mine has, he, he well, he doesn't have a lot of money, but his brother does. His brother plays in the NBA, and so he's used to really nice stuff. So I was talking to him. Um, it was like Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, and uh, and he opened up his door, and he had a couple arrows in there. And I'm like, oh, I got those 11 arrows sitting in my truck. I'm like, hey, Mike, you want you want some arrows? He's like, well, I don't know. I got a pretty long draw. I'm like, well, good thing. I told the guy I wanted the longest ones he had. Maybe that'll work. So I, I pull out this box, and... And I open them up, and I start taking them out. And as soon, before I even get them all the way, he's like, oh, my gosh, those are real feathers. I'm like, yeah, they don't, you know, yeah, they're real feathers. He's like, these, man, this guy handmade these. And he's looking at them. He's like, wow, these are, these are, where did you get these? <laughs> these are unbelievable. And so I get them, and he's like, I got a bow in my back, and I got a target. Let's shoot some. And I'm like, no, you go ahead and shoot them. I'll hit the house next door. So, so he's shooting. He's like, Andy, these are, and he said it like, 10 times in like five minutes. These arrows are unbelievable. These are, look at all the, these are perfect. There was care. These, this guy, where did you, so I told him where I got him, and he said his brother's probably going to order some. Um, so, and that's kind of, when, when you see an arrow in flight and you've made it, it's kind of a joy to watch. It's a joy to watch it hit the target. It's a joy to watch it in flight. And as parents, it's kind of what we are with our kids. We can, we can watch them in the air and like, wow, they're flying straight. Yeah. Look at that. I did a good job, you know, um, or they hit the target. So, so it's great. And then like what Mike did, people appreciate all that. Their husband or their wife are going to be attracted to that. They're going to say, wow, that is, that is one nice arrow. That, that is, that is awesome. They're friends. They're going to be that feather on their friends, on, on that arrow. Um, so, um, I guess for me, that's about, that's about all I have. Um, so, uh, I didn't even think about how I was going to close it, Josh, to be honest with you. I just wanted to get up here, not sweat through my shirt and, uh, and spit it out. So thank you. Thank you. Stay here. Yeah. Very good. Well done. And I, and I didn't, and I didn't keep them as long as you do either. Well, it's close. I was getting nervous. I was going to actually, with that intro, I was going to bat. I was going to ask you, you to battle rap right me. Now? You want to do it? Kind of be a disaster. I have a restraining order against my. Um, that's how wicked I am at battle. Really? Yeah. Seriously. Uh. <laughs> I would destroy you right now. Probably. Country version. <laughs> so. Yes. Anyway. Cool. Hey, one thought that I want to do in like the wrap up on this. One thing that was like a thread or a theme through the whole thing. Notice how he talked about the benefits of multiple generations. Like he said, my dad this and this and this. 
like it matters. Like what you do with this arrow carries on more yeah. than a generation, a generation. Like all that hard work. We got a two-year-old, terrific two-year-old. Somebody say amen. <laughs> like we're getting there. But all that extra effort, all the, it's not just for like a season where you have them for 18 years or 20 years. Or, like it goes on and on. It's all worth it. It carries through. The, the, so love the thought. Love that you talked about your dad. So one more time for Andy real quick. Thank you. Thank you.